Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined on this lovely Monday in Toronto by my co-hosts, Blake Murphy and Alex Wong. What's going on, boys? What up? Did you guys have a nice weekend? We're starting already, huh? We're starting already. <laughs> Little teaser. Yeah, what's the for tease? what's coming up in hour two? Okay. Blake Blake has graciously introduced a lot of wonderful new segment ideas that we're going to try out this season, and uh, yeah, we'll get more to it. But and this one is just uh, Alex doing progressively worse Borat impression. There's nothing. <laughs> I didn't about, even know nothing that was basketball. A Borat that, that's how bad it is. It's only going to get worse. Will. Yeah. But uh, Blake, how was your weekend? Let's all share something fun from the weekend. Uh, it was good, man. It was, uh, I mean, mine's work-related, but it's just nice to be back around the arena. Like, it was, it felt more like a real game than the the Cans game. I don't know. It just, it's nice to be back around. It's been, like, two, I guess, like, three years, if you include the pandemic, since I've been around regularly and, and at the stadium. So, uh, it feels it feels nice. I'm really looking forward to this week. Yeah. Who'd you catch up with? Everyone, man. Oh, so everyone. Had a, I mean. So, I'm trying to get into the reviewing rank, sources. Rank so. them. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I was, uh, as you guys would expect in the last preseason game, I was grinding more on the 905 side of things mm. than the uh, okay. the NBA Raptors side of things. So I had a good idea of, you know, what Exhibit 10s were still coming and what that 905 roster looks like. I didn't get a chance to grab Their Justice Winslow, but uh, yeah, everyone was kind of raving about that presence for the 905. So it was mm. good. I, I was not uh, hammering NBA level sources about uh, Pascal's extension or... or Precious's extension. If, if you need to know the contract details on Omari Moore, though, I, I got you covered. Yeah, I think I saw Omari at practice on Sunday. Um, they he had like been. a secondary kind of run, maybe like uh, second stringers versus third stringers with an assistant coach kind of subbing in as the third string uh, center. Um, but yeah, I was looking across the room and I was like, who is that? And you can't really cross like the baseline, the sideline, essentially. You're not really allowed to in media unless you have some specific permission to walk onto the court or whatever. Um, so I just have to rely on my bad eyesight. But I, I thought I, I thought it was Omari. Yeah. It was Omari Moore. Yeah. yeah Do you go. have bad eyesight? I wear glasses. No, but like, don't the glasses fix the bad eyesight? Um, yeah, yes and no. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm just worried about your personal life Okay. Um, right. in general. Hey, guys, I watch uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah. Five stars, boys. Now, I heard it's Martin Scorsese's first political film, and people are really mad about oh, God. this. Uh, it, <laughs> people who have never seen a Martin Scorsese movie before, mad that this one has some political commentary. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending, but uh, it's a very good ending. I read the book by David Grant, one of my favorite books, and three and a half hour movie, better than Oppenheimer, I got to say. What did you think of Skeets' tweet, uh, Flowers of the Jamario Moon? Oh, God. <laughs> Shouts to Skeets. Catch me on today's No Dunks, guys. Go subscribe. To the feed. All right, let's get to it. Preseason is over, guys. The Raptors on Friday beat the Wizards 134 to 98, finished their preseason with a 4 and 0 record. They're getting ready for opening night on Wednesday against Kyle Anderson and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, thought we could talk about some of the stuff we saw on Friday, wrap up preseason as well. We got Savannah Hamilton joining us in the second segment to talk a little bit more about some of these things as well. Blake. I'll start with you. So the Raptors, according to Blake Murphy um, and the stat pages, have the best net rating in preseason by far. Is there any correlation that we can take into the regular season? There is nothing. Uh, basically, God damn it. the best we can do. So I, I have studied this before and pulled like every different stat to see if. I, I think the, the main one was in the Dwayne Casey era when we heard that they were redoing the offense and there was going to be more passing and things like that. 
Uh, I tried to see if like changes in preseason assist rate indicated any sort of change in the regular season. It was there, but like really small. And that was when teams played six or seven or even eight preseason games. Now they only play four and one of them's against an Australian team. Uh, There's next to no correlation. The only thing you can really look at that shows a little bit is if a team is playing dramatically faster or slower than in the past. In the Raptors case, it's a little tough because they have been the best transition team in basketball for a couple of years now and were again in the preseason. Um, But like the extreme to which that's true, just like there's no way it's going to hold up. Like you're not going to average, I don't know, they average like 20 fast break points a game or something like that, 25 fast break points a game. That part's not going to hold up. So uh, not a lot we can take from that from the Raptors, but I think a lot of interesting like sub trends that we'll do in the second hour as part of that segment. Yeah, I mean, I I think for me, like, you came at it with no injuries, right? Um, Scotty was the closest one um, to, to potentially getting hurt, but he was able to go through all the practice yesterday. He was able to speak to the media. He said it was fine. You know, Dark said it was fine post game. So you got through preseason without any injuries. Um, I think winning all the games obviously definitely helps in terms of just like building optimism for the season. But and buy in. Yeah, I think the buy in in terms of style of play, like I think that that is more noticeable. Like they are definitely making more passes. Um, in more instances, there's a lot less one-on-one play. There's not that much pick-and-roll play either, which I think that's kind of interesting to me. But, I mean, uh, obviously you change the roster a little bit. You probably don't need to play as much pick-and-roll. Um, there's a lot more dribble handoff. I, I like the ways that they were using Scotty in all the different positions. That's similar to last year as well. But what I like more than anything else is just how uh, energetic Scotty was throughout the whole preseason run, right? Like he was so aggressive looking for his offense. That Wizards game, I mean, it was excellent. I mean, the Raptors did get down early. It was like 14 to 5 after the first timeout where Dark got to call the first timeout. But the way the Raptors responded uh, was 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 amazing to see. And I, most of that was led by Scotty. I mean, the fact that he's knocking down corner threes, the fact that he's like willingly relocating to get to corner threes, the fact that he's playing, you know, both ends of that pick and roll, both as the screener, um, but also as the ball handler at times, pushing the pace, crashing the glass, I mean, playing super confident, dunking the ball, looking ferocious. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get it, it's just preseason, but like, it's still basketball at the end of the day against NBA teams. And there are like substantial ways that this team looks improved than last year. So, um, who knows if that carries over? I think we're all kind of really cautious because last year was such a bitter <laughs> pill. But like, I don't know. You can also trust a little bit that this, this team definitely does want to play differently. And if Scotty is joining, Pascal is sort of that 1A, 1B level player, which is the, the hope for everybody, then we're going to have a really good time all year. Yeah, let's talk about Scotty a little bit more. You know, 23 points on Friday, 10 of 14 from the field, hit three threes in 25 minutes. He, he left the game in the second half, spring right foot, but was a full participant in practice yesterday. He was actually just really locked into the Rangers-Astros series and, and knew there was a big Adolis Garcia man. moment coming up. He was just dialed in. Big game seven tonight, man. Who are you Ooh. picking, bro? Ooh, uh, home team hasn't won a game in this Wait, it's like game seven? Yeah, I haven't tapped yeah. it at all. Yeah, game seven what? of the ALCS, oh, an elimination game in the NLCS oh, I'm, rooting, well. I'm rooting for the Rangers, uh, unfortunately. Sportsnet will have both of those games, 5 oh. o'clock and 8 o'clock on, on Sportsnet They're playing games at yeah. 5 o'clock? Yeah, but it, they got to stagger them. They got to they gotta get the double ratings dip. So, oh, okay. Yeah, the game in Philly, Arizona-Philly yeah. game six is at 5. Stop being so off-topic, guys. I'm trying to talk basketball. I'm trying to promote Sportsnet (laughs) channels and Sportsnet broadcasts. Company man is here. I'm trying to learn what baseball is. I also might have been watching uh, that game during the Raptors-Wizards fourth quarter. Oh, we saw you, I saw that from behind you. (laughs) We were above you. As you were like... (laughs) 
So uh, Will and Alex also got me Patty's pregame and like had to hand it over. So so Will yeah. and Alex are in the 590 booth and I sit in the gondola. Well, uh, you're fully just like, invited to sit in the there 590 are no booth. There's, there are seats. There's always seats. There are four spots and all both fast. preseason games so far, all four of them are accounted for. Lee Ben Osman, it's time for you to go, yeah. to go to your own seat. And then I think Take one was Oren and one was Savannah. Take your poutine and go to Savannah, sports, you're buddy. still allowed it. Yeah, what am I going to yeah. do, boot a guest on the show? This is Me. possible. Um, as I was saying, yeah, guys, yeah. before you guys Sorry. distracted me, um, Scotty left the game, but is all good. Looks like, you know, on track to, to be there for opening. Now, I want to play this clip. Uh, Darko uh, was asked about what he learned in preseason about Scotty Barnes, and here's what the gaffer had to say. Scotty, uh, Scotty is a unicorn. He he can play one through five, any any position. Uh, he's uh, good handling the ball. He's good uh, setting screens in pick and roll. We're finding more of those opportunities uh, for him as well. Um, I think he, he had a great uh, preseason here. He did an amazing job during during the summer. Um, his shooting is coming uh, coming along. He's feeling more comfortable, and him and the whole team is feeling more comfortable because we were doing good job of moving the football and finding each other and when you play in that kind of like in the flow it's much easier to knock down shots he really did say moving the football huh i was i thought i heard that okay. yeah yeah like yeah. um like based on all those things arcos talked about i know moving we, we, the we, football and we, we've been watching. You know who's moving the football liverpool on the two nil win over Dude, everton that's how you know darko's a true gaffer Oh, and man. not a head coach, right? He, he really was the gaffer the way he was. I couldn't stop laughing because on Friday I made all these gaffer jokes on the show and then we go to the arena. It's Daniel Gaffer tipping yeah, off. Of all people. Yeah. Anyways, Blake, all this stuff that, that Darko mentioned about Scotty, if you were to hone in on one thing or a couple of things about Scotty in the offseason, like what's the most encouraging thing right now about him? Yeah, I think, you know, stylistically, it's not even, a, and I know this is kind of counter to what people are hoping to see more of this year, which is the ball in Scotty's hands and Scotty operating. Darko mentioned just how effective he's been operating as the screener in pick and roll. And we talked a little bit about that last week when we had Samson on and just how good it was in a small sample last year where Scotty sets the screen. And he's got these big, long arms and he's got such nice touch on the run and he's a capable passer in a short roll situation. There's just as much as we all would like to see the ball in Scotty's hands more. And that needs to happen for developmental purposes. And because he'll probably be better in that regard. I really do think Scotty as kind of maybe not necessarily a five, but a guy who's setting some screens and being the handoff man. in some of those DHOs is really the best way right now to take advantage of how dynamic a playmaker he is. So when I hear Darko say that, Will, I know you've been really excited by how he's looked as a small ball five generally at both ends it just it really does speak to the versatility of the offensive skill set that you could be sitting here pulling clips of scotty barnes the point guard and scotty barnes the center from a small subset of games and being excited about either one yeah i mean i thought the raptors as a team not just scotty overall but as a team the raptors looked best when scotty was playing that small ball five in those transitionary lineups like obviously we saw Jakob miss some time over preseason because he was sick uh, fortunately, he was able to return, and I thought he played decently in the in the Wizards game. But the Raptors in this preseason run have looked the best with Scotty uh, at you know the center position. I think there's a lot of benefits that come out of that. Number one, you know uh, the speed in which the Raptors can play when you have your five who is pretty much handling the ball most times as well, and also getting quick inbounds in. Like the pace of play with Scotty at five is excellent. Um, it's also one way to finally get some spacing around the floor because when you have Scotty at five rolling to the basket, and as you mentioned, he's a he's a threat to make plays, but also just most importantly score, get offensive rebounds, the typical things you would want to see from a center. But also at the same time, you can now put 
more shooting around him. Like we saw lineups in the Wizards game where it was like Malachi and Grady was the backcourt and, and McDaniels was out there and, and whoever you want to put at four. And that's with Gary sitting out. Gary yes. could ostensibly be in, say, the the Jaylen, uh, the McDaniels spot as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you find more spacing, you find just a quicker pace. And I think all of it's really contingent on sort of how much um, energy Scotty has. And, and that's my thing for watching this game is just like you compare – Scotty this preseason versus Scotty last season, or even how he started the season last year, just the energy and the attitude is just night and day. He's he's super aggressive. He's going, you know, Scotty Barnes. He's going full out. He's finishing quarters really strong too, which I feel like is always a very strong thing. Like you know, the fact that at the end of the first half you can like sprint full court, get back on defense, sprint all the way back full court. Like that's a much that's a huge amount of energy, especially at a time where you're really close to a break in the game. So. I think all those things are really positive. And, you know, we don't really have to put it in a box. Like, it's not saying that if he plays some center right here that he's a center long-term, that means he's not this. Like, he is, he's kind of everything. You know what I mean? Like, he's hes actually every position, everywhere, all at once. Well, look at the very best of this archetype around the NBA, right? Like, LeBron James doesn't have a position. Giannis yeah. doesn't really have a position. And if you're going to give those guys a position, it's more about who they're guarding and where on the floor they are defensively. Yeah, yeah. Offensively, you know, like Giannis is not a point guard. They don't run point guard stuff for him. It doesn't look like he's a point guard, but he still averages six or seven assists. And it's the same, you know, you go back to uh, like Lamar Odom Lakers and stuff mm. like that. It's like, well, he's not a point guard. Defensively, he's probably a power forward, but we're going to use him at the, the high post extended a, a whole bunch. And that's going to look like this. Like you don't, you don't have to box him in. Your position is more about who you're guarding or who you can guard. Yeah. Um, I think that's the other interesting part of this is that um, defensively, the last two years, Scotty has looked better when he's defending one of the big man spots, not necessarily defending center, but on that lower third of the floor where he can use his strength and he kind of, you know, he's really good at establishing strong position quickly right, right. and he has really great help instincts. Whereas, you know, the top of the floor perimeter stuff maybe isn't quite there yet. Um, so I think, you know, that, that sim- can simplify things defensively if that's how they're going to use them. And then, yeah, offensively, it doesn't really matter what your position is if you're this multi-skill. It could change possession to possession, honestly, because, yeah, hey, yeah. this guy's on him because he's been running a lot. He's been the screener and a lot of pick and roll, so you put the center on him, and then the center's on him, and then you come down, and you're like, well, time time to eat or time to do something a little different with, with Scotty, you know, handling in a pick and roll or something since the center's not comfortable navigating that. It really does open up your options game to game and possession to possession as well. Yeah, and I think different from last year is you have the option to actually play big and play solid because you have the matchup with Yacoproto where you can, you know, go up against bigger teams. I mean, like, obviously, we're talking about the Raptors only played three NBA teams uh, in this span here, but, like, you know, you have Yaka for guys like Sabonis. You have Yaka for guys like Vucevic, which obviously he didn't play in that game, but it would have been great if he played in that game because we saw Chris foul out playing center in, in 13 minutes. You know, Who is we he, ha- Will Lou? Well, relax, all right? I mean, the media game coming soon. We'll, we'll, we'll plug it on the show. Uh, but then, you know, even Daniel Gaffer, like, you, you still have somebody who can, like, you know, match up with the bigger players, but especially in those transitional lineups, like, that's where you can really get a boost. And I thought, uh, I mean, honestly, like, in terms of who got the best grades, like, Scotty played almost as good as anybody I've seen across the board in preseason. You know yeah, what I mean? no, he's been, um, he's been incredible. You know, you mentioned Yak making his return to the lineup. You know, Precious played on... Friday as well, and our guy Otto Porter Jr., mm. a.k.a. Rust Westbrook, mm. uh, made his yeah. return. I was actually, you know, like, I was telling you, like, you know, before the show, like, you know, when they brought Otto Porter in last year, like, he was expected to be a big part of, of the bench lineup, right? He was coming yeah. off a championship, huge contributor on the Warriors, 
And, you know, now I'm hearing, obviously, they're slowly ramping him back up from the injury. And they've talked about how they got to manage his minutes throughout the season. Like, man, I want Otto Porter in there as a contributor this season, man. Like, you talk about spacing, shooting, Mm -hmm. veteran leadership, all this stuff, basketball IQ. Like, he's got it all. I think for with Otto, it's similar to me um, watching Jaden McDaniels come in as well, where it's like, or Jalen McDaniels, like, they don't take anything off the floor when they come on, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they just find a way to fit in. And I think for Otto... um, you know, we'll see if he stays healthy, but whatever he does have in, in terms of the, to be able to contribute, it's there, right? He, he rebounds at a high level. He can space the floor for you, but he's not, you know, dominating the ball. He's playing off ball. He's able to guard a, a, a few different positions, I would say. I, I want to sort of wait and see how he sort of physically adapts to, you know, playing full-time again and um, how that holds up. But in the past, he's been a really good defender. Um, and it just doesn't, and he fits in it with a whole bunch of different lineups, whether you want to play big, whether you want to play small, like, he just is a guy who could be on the floor to be your fifth starter um, if you need to, but probably you won't get to that point. But just your fifth option even on the floor um, that does things well in a, on a two-way sense. It's the same thing with McDaniels. McDaniels has come in, and I thought that even though he hasn't hit the three at a super high rate, he's taken the right threes within the context of the offense. He's guarding really well. He had a tremendous block at the basket. I thought that was the other thing, too, is just the Raptors were so good defensively against Washington. They had 10 blocks um, on the night, and so many of those were like block threes. Right, Scotty blocked two threes. Um, you know, Pascal with a two-handed block at the basket. Jakob blocking uh, shots at the basket twice, rotating over at the hoop. McDaniel's coming out and blocking. Precious blocking Jordan Poole one-on-one. It's like the level of athletes that we have, especially if we're not going to fly around and sort of put ourselves always in rotation, um, is going to be a real challenge to a lot of these teams. Like we're not, We are going to have the athleticism advantage in pretty much every game that we play uh, barring a couple of matchups, and I think that's also been really exciting to watch. But, yeah, Otto, Otto just fits, man. He's just a guy you don't have to worry too much about as long as he's healthy. It just really comes down to where the minutes are going to come from when you have him, Thad, McDaniels, Boucher, yeah, yeah. Precious all coming out the bench. Like, like some of this is going to resolve itself as guys are injured yeah. or they're careful with Otto Porter's, you know, minutes load or whatever. Um, but, yeah, there are a handful of guys who look pretty good in that role, and there are right. only so many spots for them, uh, especially if you're going to try to keep Grady in the rotation in addition mm-hmm. to Gary off the bench. Um, but your point about, like, the amount of size and athleticism you're going to have is a great one. And you mentioned early in that answer – you know, having Jakob at the five lets you go big. With Like, so many times over the last two years, they were huge two, three, four, mm. and then undersized one and five. And it yeah. kind of, like, you could see what, what that does on the positive side, and certainly the size at those positions and the switchability are valuable. But, yes, when you can be huge and then also have a traditionally large presence at the rim. Um, It really does, and we're starting to see it, and we've talked about it a bunch, what it opens up for you in terms of defensive options and letting your guys stay at home just a little bit more. And, you know, as Darko said to us last weekend when we were talking to him, the the media session where it was just us, basically. Uh, uh, Yeah, using your length to, like, scramble and be all over the place is great, but using your length also makes it just really, really difficult to shoot over top of you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to ask you, Blake, about Precious specifically because, like, I thought he looked good on Friday, and I was thinking about it like, this is is his third year with the organization now? He's heading into season three with the Raptors. What are your expectations for for Precious this season and how he might fit in with that second unit? Yeah, well, I I certainly think he's probably looking at his notifications right now and seeing that uh, the other McDaniels just got a five-year, $136 million extension uh, per Shams. So we're wow. looking around the market, obviously. And, and that's front of mind with Precious uh, right now. Today is the deadline for his rookie scale extension for anyone who doesn't know. Um, but I think in terms of expectations, you know, today will inform that at least a little bit. My guess would be 
Precious is going more of the bet on yourself route. And, and you know, if, if Zeke Najee's uh, 432 deal is the very, very low end, and, and then you're looking at uh, Denny from, from Washington who got, I think, four, fifth, four years 50 or something like that. You know, if those are the baselines for, for Precious and that's not there, I, I think maybe it's a bet on yourself and, and try to get certainly not into McDaniels range, but maybe into the four-year 60 mil range by the end of the season. So I think expectations-wise, um, they should be pretty high. This is a very big year for Precious, not just with the Raptors, but in terms of informing the league what he can become. Um, you know, they're going to challenge him to be more of a, a five in that second unit than I think, you know, I think he's probably a guy who's seen himself as a bit more of a perimeter-oriented big. Um, we know he, he has the pick-and-pop stuff in there. We know defensively he can switch out onto a, a James Harden and, and hang his own. But the way this team is structured and the way they're changing stylistically, I think we'll get a little bit more of a look at, at Precious as a, you know, a, a more traditional, not completely traditional, but a more traditional five in those second units, I, I think expectations should be really high. Like, I think if you, if we reach, you know, the trade deadline or the end of the season and he's not very clearly the first big off the bench, you'd be a little disappointed with that. Cause this is kind of the time that, that you expect a, a really toolsy big like that to start turning all of these skills and the promise he flashes into like really consistent rotation impact. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just starting to think it more. I know last week, you know, you guys were talking about just like, players like make or break players on the Raptors and things like that like I kind of slot Precious into that group I feel like he can raise the ceiling of this team a little bit yeah just think about last year too right I think you're just looking for consistency from him yeah you know um because we've seen him have great flashes like there's been lots of moments where you know think back to what Precious would do when he would play against Miami and have like 20 rebounds sometimes or like I know last year against Portland he had like a 27 and 12 game starting at center and he was super efficient uh, we saw him have that streak where he was hitting threes at a really great clip. And, you know, um, that was two seasons ago. But, you know, he had a really, really hot stretch to finish the season. And he was one of the most important rotation players um, in the first round series that the Raptors lost to the Sixers. Like, he was on the floor quite a bit for that group. And so I think it's just about consistency. And in part of consistency, especially for a younger players, just like finding that role and understanding sort of what is needed, right? Because we've seen him start. We've seen him come off the bench. Um, we've seen him sort of play as more of a wing. We've seen him play more of a small ball five. Like just finding that a bit of consistency with him because that great ability is there just based on the athleticism alone. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe in Precious. I'd be, I'd be I'd, honestly, I'd be a little disappointed if by the end of the day they don't lock him into like a four year deal. You know, if 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 the you know Denny Denny like the four fifty, I'd be very happy with that with Precious because I believe. I in think him Precious is worth a lot. Term. You know, you think Precious is worth more than that? The 450? I think it's just inconsistency right now, right? Yeah. He hasn't shown on a, and but this is that opportunity where it's like if you really do believe in him, then you lock him in right now. Yeah, and I think yeah, like like twelve four years, fifty mil works up to twelve and a half mil per year. It's roughly the mid level exception. That is the going rate for first big off the bench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the, where the salary cap is now, so I know that sounds like a big number, but it's uh, you know that's roughly the Boucher contract. It's roughly the Schroeder yeah. contract, just with a little more term because of his age. That's a that's the going rate for like a, a really solid backup four five. That's mm-hmm. a going rate for a NFL running back who can get you two thousand yards. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Or you use a you know a top multi-sport. Or you use a a top pick on a running back and he only gets one touch on Sunday. That's right. We're freezing Will out today, man, because he spilled coffee on the show live on Friday, so he has to get punished. Couple other random things: Uh, Raptors announce a bunch of roster moves after the game. The main one that really affects the um, the Raptors uh, NBA squad: Jeff Down Jr. was waived after the game. We didn't see him. He didn't play on Friday. No. Yeah. So and and I don't think we saw a lot of him. In preseason, so this whole Jeff Down Jr. saga is is over for now, Blake. 
Yeah, it is. It's uh, the the Raptors don't hold his G League rights. It's a weird thing. I know he played with the 905 last year, but the way G League rights work is weird. So technically, Philadelphia holds his G League rights now. Uh, so if you know, he's got a tough decision to make because there, there are six or seven open two-way spots around the league. And I think most teams would love to have Jeff Doughton Jr. on a two-way, but he has to make a decision of, well, two-way, you know, caps your earnings at around half a mil and only half of that can be guaranteed. I, I did the math, and if he were to get called up to the NBA pr- on, a, on a regular deal, he'd have to stay in the NBA for 48 days for it to overlap an entire season on a two-way. So that's the tough decision for him. If he signs a two-way, then he'll go wherever he signs Otherwise, he is headed to Philadelphia's G League program, which is obviously interesting because Nick Nurse is the head coach at Philadelphia. They're a team that could potentially be in some trades this year that maybe open up a roster spot. We know Nick was really fond of Jeff Doughton, so uh, that could be his next stop. Yeah, well, Nick Nurse. Revenge game when when Philly's here later in the season. Probably not this week, but down the line. Nick Nurse, open invite to come on the show. um, We're pressing again? On Friday. The seat is wide Jeff open. Down, you know what? Jump down, open invite to come on the show. I like okay. the yeah. theoretical here that Nick Nurse has not has not responded to coming onto the show, but he's watching, so we can make these plays. He's just locked into the Raptor show. You never, day. you never know who's oh, watching. All, all you gotta do is tweet Nick Nurse uh, and not even add him on Twitter, and uh, it'll get back to the burner at least. Uh oh, uh oh. Which yeah. is reactivated, by the way. Oh, okay, it's back. Yeah, it's back. Yeah. Okay, just Enjoy. for rivalry week. Um, <laughs> all right, I think that's. Um, I don't know, Will. Do you have anything else? If not, we can take the break. No, I just feel like it's like. What do we do all this for? You know what I mean? Like, we, we did sort of evolve him in the program. As much as he was able to play, I thought he did a decent job. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, after all of that, you don't really end up going anywhere with it. So, I mean, I think that's just kind of a bit of a waste of time almost in a way. It kind of wasted everybody's time in a way. And and look, I get that there are some people who will respond on Twitter or whatever when I write these explainers up and, and they'll be like, well, what's the big deal? It's the last, like you're making such a huge deal of the last guy on the roster. And No one's and, making a big deal of anything. This yeah. is just like, it's <laughs> part of the r- roster transaction. Yeah, like, like you're allowed to just like yeah. disagree with the end of the roster move. And, and, and you know, I, I'm a big believer that having vets in the room is important, but I wonder if, you know, Thad and Otto and Garrett Temple is like, okay, well, three spots when you're a team that's still developing developing uh, maybe that'd be better used on someone else or, or you know hey he's he's a 26 year old point guard and he hasn't stuck in the NBA yet okay but bigger picture first of all I think Jeff Doughton is a is a good enough player to be on an NBA roster but to your point Will not only is it you know you you tried to develop this guy and then never really it seemed gave him a fair shake to, to crack the roster here but to the bigger point like the Raptors on their way up leading to the championship, part of what made them successful was they kept hitting on undrafted guys, guys that were drafted really late, guys they'd find in the G League and turn into something like Chris Boucher. Obviously, Pascal is a late pick, maybe doesn't count, but Fred, Norm as a second rounder, you turn him into something. And that helps you like salary cap wise, because you have inexpensive guys contributing. It also makes you a little bit more comfortable when you have to do consolidation trades that your depth can step up into those roles. Like we saw in the championship year. Um, And this organization has gone from hitting on a lot of those guys to hitting on not a lot of them over the last couple of years. And that's fine. Most team, like these are really like low percentage plays here when we're talking about the end of the roster, but we've also seen guys like Utah, O'Shea Brissett, Gary Payton the second, like come through the organization and not stick around and find like good rotation spots elsewhere. So, um, you know, I, I understand if people think the Doughton thing or Justin Champagne before that is in isolation, it gets 
too big a deal made out of it. But also, like, the organization hasn't really hit on any of those guys in a little bit here. And the ones that have ended up good have been good for other organizations. And, and I think that that's, you know, a strength they had before that they need to find their way back to. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to the Raptors show on the Sparsnet Radio Network. When we come back, we'll get Savannah Hamilton on the line. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sportsline Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Blue. I'm joined by co-host Blake Murphy, and we are joined on the line by Savannah Hamilton. Sav, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is a rare off day for us. The Raptors uh, pro day today, so optional day kind of to uh, come and get some treatment, but no media, no media today, which is the most important thing. Exactly. That's why I was happy it was able uh, to work out for me coming on today because of that, so... And now we know it works. We know the the technology here works to to have you on oh, via Zoom. We're on. we're good to go. Yeah, we hey. we are supposed to get Darko tomorrow uh, through the similar technology. But uh, yeah, as the pandemic proved, that Zoom is excellent. So for everyone who hasn't had Zoom yet, go ahead and get it. Yeah, no, are we get paid by Zoom now. What's going on let's, here? Let's do it. You know, I know a Chinese guy runs that thing. Let's go, baby. We got two over here. <laughs> the look, you're. Huh? We've been on the show a week, and Will just looked directly into the camera to do that plea for for money. He's a he's a pro, Seth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, Alex has uh, corrupted me since I've uh, started working with him. Um, you know, he's not here. No, he's 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 not here for the second. Okay, what we want to talk about is actually a subject that uh, was was discussed at practice. You know, Seth, you and I were there. Uh, I believe on Sunday. 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 Yeah, yeah, yesterday. Um, Wow, these days are really flying by. But yeah, yesterday, Pascal was asked by me, actually, just about sort of how the partnership between him and Scotty Barnes was, was uh, developing over the last two and a half years. And here's what Pascal had to say. Uh, nah, Scotty hasn't done anything really. Just kidding, man. Nah, Scotty's been good. Like, I think for me, I just like his approach to the game, just coming in every single day. I see him in practice. Like, he has the um, just the same focus. Like, I can see him just working hard. Um, and you can tell in his eyes, like, you know, like he, he wants to continue to get better. Um, and I, just, I like how aggressive it is, you know, just, just playing, um, having fun out there, playing basketball. At the end of the day, that's all you can ask for. Um, and we already know, like, how gifted it is. So I think it's just a matter of him just going out there and, 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 and doing what he does and, and using his talent. Like, again, he's, he's, God already gave you everything. So you just got to, like, you know, um, do the rest, which is, like, just sharpening the tools and, and having that, that, that process of just continuing to get better every single day, which he's doing every day now. Yeah, that was a that was a great answer. Very effusive praise. Um, but that was reciprocated because this is the clip that Scotty had when I asked him about sort of how, you know, his on his end sort of working with Pascal has grown over the last couple of years. I've been said it. I think I said it my first year. You know, Pascal's my favorite player. Uh, just being seeing what he does on the floor, uh, being able to score the ball at a extremely high rate. Um, he hit, hits me a lot on those dunker passes when teams double him. Uh, Pascal, he can do it all out there on the floor, rebound, push it in transition, be able to score in transition, spin moves, he got it all. Sab, that's uh, exactly what I said to Will and Alex when they were like, you want Sab on the show? I was like, oh, that's my favorite player. I'd be, be happy to have uh, have Sab on the show. Who, who? okay, what do you, obviously, <laughs> the, you. obviously the vibes are good right now. 
um, because, you know, they haven't had a loss yet and it's preseason and everything's rolling. But what, what do you make of where that Scotty and Pascal partnership is is right now? We, we got to see it for a, a handful of games. And I think the, you know, that off-court element that they're both kind of alluding to there is important too. I mean, I, th- I feel like there was so much chatter, at least that I saw. I'm sure you guys saw in the offseason of the big question of how does Pascal and how does Scotty work together? How does that fit? Uh, will they be taking shots away from one another? Will that stunt Scotty's growth? I think we've heard every single angle of that conversation. So I think it's like easy to say that it was refreshing to hear that one off the court. They have nothing but mutual respect for each other. And it sounds like that relationship is in a good place and it's genuine. It's not like it's a forced answer. They gave details about what they appreciate too. And you could tell from Pascal's more veteran eyes just how much growth he's seen from Scotty. And I think we're also seeing that as media watching the games and just how much more def- definitive Scotty has been. And also in his answers as well to media, I think we've also been seeing Scotty's answers really be more intentional that way too. So I think the fact that you see that relationship kind of growing together um, is definitely a positive sign. And, you know, on the court, we're seeing actions that are happening in terms of, you know, they're playing off of each other very well. Like exactly what Pascal and Scotty both kind of said, they're both kind of past passers like they they know where to pass when to pass we've seen it multiple times even in the last game um you know there's a really nice uh situation where scotty i think he dished it down to pascal for a spin move inside like there was just a, there's multiple examples of that dynamic working out really uh well so far and that's exactly the energy that you want heading into the start of the season yeah, I like that uh, Pascal touched on the point about aggressiveness too because I think in terms of initiating plays and initiating the offense, obviously we're hoping that the Darko's offense does a lot of the play creation, but, you know, like any sort of team, like you're going to need players to actually take initiative to really like generate that first advantage or really get downhill. And, you know, he talked about that aggressiveness from Scotty, and I think that, yeah, I mean, there's a real chance here because with Fred gone, there's so much opportunity now and so much sort of a slack to sort of pick up in terms of generating and creating that sort of advantage. And, um, yeah, I think Scotty's in prime position. I think, especially in preseason, his usage might be even higher than Pascal so far. I guess the concerns for a lot of people long-term is just, like, shooting, right? It's always just, like, neither of these guys shoot that well. Well, first of all, I do think that these guys can, especially in the case of Scotty, have more runway to get better as a shooter. Uh, but also, at the same time, there's a way where it's like, okay, that's maybe what they don't have the most of, but there's other advantages that they have. I mean, you can see there's a lot of mismatches that they're able to sort of feast on, and... I mean, you and I were in the booth uh, on the weekend, Sav, and pretty much anybody who, who got Danilo Gallinari, for example, or Corey <laughs> Kispert, they were just attacking them like crazy. And that's yeah. the nice thing. When you have two of these guys, you can actually sort of force your opponent into a bad matchup. Oh, totally. I mean, they're both, you know, like, how tall is Scotty? This is always like the mystery question at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every single year going into, he always seems to grow an inch and gain nine pounds this year and stuff like that. So, of course, he's now... Uh, even that much more of a of a factor defensively. Um, and pa- of course, Pascal, with his size and his length, you know, that really contributes, especially, I would say, in the system that Darko's running mm. on defense. I'm seeing it be a lot more effective because you can just tell that, you know, it's more like five guys on a string. It's more uh, more cohesiveness that I'm, I'm seeing, at least, like, so far on that side of the floor. 
Uh, and then offensively, you can actually argue that it kind of balances out really well. You have Scotty on one wing, Pascal on the other wing, and Dennis in the middle kind of facilitating where the ball's going at all times. But then if Dennis steps out, Pascal, or sorry, Scotty can step into a more of a point guard role, which is what he was always talking about even as of last season. He wanted to be a bit more of a playmaker that way. And who's he going to be playmaking to? Well, a Pascal type. So that's why that dynamic is like playing out so well so far on offense. Now I want to see how it goes in the nitty-gritty um, you know, you know, when the time matters in reg- regular season against some really strong opponents. But I'd say that, like, even the Sacramento game was a very strong showing just for the capabilities of what Scotty can do um, and Pascal can and, and the role that Pascal can play off the wing and off ball a little bit more. Because I still think, and, and Darko's mentioned this too, his talent is a given. And, like, it's almost like Cream will always rise to the top. So, you know, it, I'm not worried about Pascal if people are concerned about, oh, well, his numbers dip, if the touches dip, but this is the, I think it's going to be more efficient. I think we're looking at a more efficient and effective offense that is going to be, you know, probably headed more so by Scotty, I see, but it benefits Pascal just as much. I'm glad you said that, Sav. There was something that Masai said on Media Day that raised my eyebrows a little bit. He was asked about Pascal's future and the status of the extension, and he kind of made it seem like, well, yeah, we got to see how all this works under the new coach. And we obviously know who Pascal is a player by now. We know he's been able to shift that role around a little bit. When you look at the big picture direction of the Raptors, obviously there are like CBA economics that go into whether or not Pascal gets a, a big extension or whatever. But how important do you think it is for these two guys to show that it works pretty quickly here as Messiah and Bobby Webster figure out, you know, what is the direction here? Which pieces are, are a part of the long-term plan? Well, I feel like, you know, Masai and Bobby, they were under a lot of scrutiny over the offseason. I think they probably felt like they might have been in a bit of a hot seat, but I'm not sure. I can't speak on behalf of them, of course. Um, But there's definitely a lot of eyes and attention on Masai's decision making in terms of the roster going forward. And I think for Pascal, that means that, you know, he has to almost he's in a position where he has to make it work. But he's also professional. And I believe that truly like any professional player can make it work. And so it's just a matter of, you know, learning how to adjust to fit into whatever system that they want you to fit in. And that's just being adaptable. And that's just being a really great player that Pascal is. And so, you know, I think you're right, Blake, in the fact that like Pascal has to show that he has to fit in as soon as possible. He has to buy in and not just that, but also lead by example, because he's still an all-star. He has to show the other guys on this team that this system is worth buying into. And so, you know, it's bigger than just, oh, how does this fit exactly? Does this mean that one guy may move and another one may stay or extensions or all this contract talk? It's about, at the end of the day, the product on the floor. Mm -hmm. And if this product is a successful product, then don't change it. Don't fix it. (laughs) Don't fix it. It ain't broke. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I I think with Pascal, what's interesting, you know, to your point about the, the more efficient, right? Like last year, you'll see games. Like opening night last year, right? Raptors beat Cleveland. Um, Pascal had a great game that game. Um, and Pascal came out of the gates like a just a house on fire and all that kind of stuff. Probably made like six or seven mid-range jumpers in that, just that game alone. How many? I don't even think we've seen him take six or seven mid-range jumpers, period, in all of preseason, right? So it is changing his game, but it's also making it really look easy. Like, especially over a course of the preseason, I'm just like, all right, Pascal's got 20 points again. But I'm like, it, they were all like transition they're all like putbacks. Yep. They're all like duckins. You know, stuff like that. Catch and shoot threes. Like it, it just makes sort of the offense sort of more simple for everybody. Of course, you'll get down to those moments where it's like you know it's a little stickier. The game's a little closer. It's more pressures. More heavy legs. You know the defense is tougher. Most importantly, how are they going to respond in those moments? But 
you know, I feel like we can kind of figure it out as we get to that point because right now the team is in a really healthy spot where, you know, that balance is kind of there. And also we're seeing, like, there's more support there in terms of more depth to allow these guys to to sort of have more energy when they're on the floor. And I think one thing that's really promising, too, is on the defensive end, Pascal making plays again defensively. You know, like, yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, in the Kings game, him just stripping Sabonis, <laughs> just picking up full court and just stripping him, right? That's an all-star that, that he's just picking yeah. up and, and just taking his uh, his his, uh, his, his you know, the ball there. Um, you saw, you know, in the Wizards game on Friday, Jordan Poole drives to the basket and Pascal Siakam comes over, rotates with a two-handed block at the basket. Like, there's more to get out of his game. And yes, the, the way he played in the past was successful to get him to an all-star level, but there are other ways for him because he's so talented to contribute and also stay at an all-star level if not sort of get to an even higher spot. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just buying into way too much preseason, but like every, the vibes look good, you know, and and the the play looks good. More yeah, importantly. it has it has looked really good, and I think you know Sav made a, a great point about the way you can spread the floor and kind of attack. Well, okay, well Scotty's got this guy on him, so it's Scotty's turn. Or Pascal's got this guy on him. Um, I'm curious, Savannah, to to know. So we haven't seen. You know, they're not playing all their minutes together. Something that Darko's done, and I think it's the one thing. I'd probably say, yeah, we can learn from what Darko did in the preseason rotation-wise is Scotty's often been the first guy off, and then he runs the bench unit when the other starters take the risk. What have you liked and what have you seen in those minutes of, of Scotty with four of the bench pieces? I think that's exactly the piece that um, that that fans, and I think Scotty himself wanted to grow into, right? He wanted to be more that playmaker, and I think he's getting that opportunity now kind of being that for the second unit. And I think that's almost like, I don't want to say it's a safe way of doing it because it's basketball, it's competitive, every single minute counts. But it's definitely a way that he can grow while also getting real game minutes and reps. And so I, I love what I'm seeing. And I also love the fact that this offense is not just predicated solely on one decision maker being a Scotty Barnes, a Dennis Schroeder, whoever has the ball in their hands. It's more so also being dedicated or predicated through the big man, like a post player also making the same amount of responsibilities and playing through Jakob. I, we saw Thad getting the ball through the top. We saw Chris getting the ball through the top. And so I think it, it kind of shoulders the burden a little bit off of just one guy. And I think that's what exact that's the type of offense that we need to see in order for Scotty to grow into that point guard, like playmaking position fully. And so it's definitely a bit of a safety net type of offense that doesn't just rely heavily on one guy making all the decisions and finding the right passes. But that being said too, it also compliments Scotty because we already know he's such a great playmaker. He has some of the best passing, I would say arguably in the NBA, like in terms of just like purely passing skills as with all the no look passes we saw last year even. Um, and, and so I think that it puts him in a really great position to be highlighted that much more in a second unit versus in the first unit where he's probably going to be playing a little bit more off ball because that's Dennis Schroeder's kind of time to be in that position. Um, and also, it's you know, he, he's, he's just in a, a little bit of a different role. So him in that second unit controlling the tempo and being the star that he's, you know, soon to become, if not, you could argue already on this team. Uh, it's, it's, it's perfect for him right now. This is a perfect position. And I, I'm like you will, I don't want to, I don't want to get my, my hopes up too high. I don't want to get my expectations too high, but I am buying it myself. I, I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And I mean, I'm trusting my vision. I'm trusting the eyes that I'm like, I'm watching good basketball right now. And so I would just like to see this carried over into regular season when, you know, a lot of the NBA is going to be playing some good basketball. So see how it matches up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you're going to need the buy-in throughout, right? I mean, like, it's easy to buy-in right now because it's training camp, because it's preseason, but when you are coming good. off a couple of losses, yeah, what's the buy-in? And I think that's where we saw the team sort of splinter last year when they 
also came in with a lot of enthusiasm, but, you know, they did not respond well to losses, and I hope that that's a better group for this. But I also think that, you know, for the starting lineup, just pivoting over to this conversation, but um, we haven't seen it get into sort of top gear yet for the for the, all of preseason, mostly because guys have been in and out, but also because I feel like there's a much higher level for Dennis and Jakob to sort of get into. That pick-and-roll pairing, we didn't see it all that much. We saw it a little bit. Um, yeah. But what are we seeing there? Because it's one thing for them to sort of run the action and sort of set up the other scores around them. That's fine. But, you know, I mean, like any offense, you're going to need some pick-and-roll pairing. And I think that Jakob's a very good pick-and-roll player and, and Dennis is a very good pick-and-roll player. And there's more room for growth than what we have seen so far. It's funny you asked me that because I had a great conversation with Jakob about just that mm -hmm. in Vancouver in training camp. Um, we spoke one-on-one -on -one and I asked him, one, what was the difference between setting a screen for Fred Van Vliet versus Dennis Schroeder? Um, and two, like how much will you be screening in general probably given this fact that this offense is, is not necessarily focused on just that. Mm -hmm. And he said that one, first and foremost, that there will be screens. Like he said, <laughs> we are still keeping screens okay. uh, in the offense. And he said, two, when it comes to the type of screens, he said when he was uh, screening for Fred, Fred wants some extra space. So he'd hold the screen a little bit longer and like make sure that he gets a good three point uh, position to hit that shot. But with Dennis, Dennis is trying to get downhill. And so it's more of a flat screen mm -hmm. to help him get space. And then it's a short roll more so to get to the middle of the key rather than, you know, a long roll to like just extra length in that, that uh, division between Fred's space and him. So I thought that was very interesting. And I think that's something that we can look out for in this upcoming season. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that dynamic with Dennis because Dennis is, you know, if you look at his three-point percentage numbers, they're not super, super high. Um, but we do know how fast and skilled he is, uh, especially coming off of FIBA and just also what we've seen so far in the preseason and just how he's kind of immediately fitting into the team. I think that's yeah. something that people don't talk about enough either is the fact that Dennis Schroeder is a completely new player. <laughs> he was like next to no context about the Raptors prior than other than Darko, his relationship with Darko. But right now it almost seems, seems like he's fitting in like a glove. So I, I, you know, kudos to him like that for him, for him. But then also for the guys also accepting him in, in that role and like trusting him to facilitate as well, because uh, you see that happening. And so I'm looking forward to seeing more screen actions. And I think they're going to be coming. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, behind the scenes, especially Darko, um, I mean, not Darko, but well, Darko, definitely. He's just hugging and, and, and having meetings all the time and talking to everybody at practice. And seriously, it's like nonstop. Um, but with Dennis, like he's really fitting in and getting along with guys and. You know, him and Malachi have really had this little thing going on right now where I, I don't know if he's taking Malachi under his wing. By the way, Malachi's in his fourth year. He doesn't need someone to take him under his wing so much. He's he, not a child anymore. But it, During the Tampa tank, Malachi was like, <laughs> he would come off the floor and Kyle and Fred would be in street clothes, like yeah. fresh from the golf course, and be like, Malachi, <laughs> let's go through these plays. Like, like he's had the yeah, stewardship yeah. He has, that, that yeah. he's needed. Um, but, but now no, he has a friend. Yeah. You know? He's and, more of a friend. <laughs> not like a, you know. Yeah. The future thing. yeah. Look, and there's if you want more on Schroeder from the the leadership standpoint and the person personality standpoint, I, I know you guys talked to him uh, the other day. Uh, but Eric Green at the Athletic had a great piece on it as well, and kind of that other element mm -hmm. that that he's adding here. We had the great the great chat with Gordy last week yes. uh, as well. Sav, uh, from an encore perspective, just curious about a specific Dennis skill. So you mentioned he wants to get downhill, and that changes how Jakob is setting those screens. We haven't seen like when the Raptors have played point guards over the last couple of years. It's been Malachi, Kyle, Fred, even DeLon, the guys who aren't like breakneck speed, they're more about playing between the tempos and manipulating. How how much fun are you having just watching a guy who has just like breakneck speed at the point guard position? Oh, it's so much fun. I, I really, truly enjoy Dennis's game. Um, I think 
as a player, if you're his teammate, you have to enjoy it too because just by speed alone, it creates so much mismatches. Like you can, you it's almost like you have to anticipate if that if Dennis wants to go downhill, that you have to anticipate that the help side will be crashing there too because most likely he's going to beat his man off the dribble just instantly. Like that, like almost like don't even see the first man. Start looking at the second man, and so that help side rotation. If you're if you're Dennis's teammate, just get ready for the dump. And we all know that like. Dennis is a passing guard. He loves to pass. So if I'm Jakob, I if I'm, you know, any of the forwards, Precious, I'm getting ready with the ball, like my hands up here, because I'm going to be either trailing Dennis or I'm going to be putting myself in a position, maybe coming off the wing in, a, in an effective cutting so that, like, he can hit me immediately because that's an open option. So if Dennis doesn't go up just by himself, which is not necessarily the nature of the offense anyways because we haven't really seen just ISO plays like that, mm. um, it could be more so of a of a – get to the rim, beat your first man, force the help side defense to collapse, and then find the open man for a kickoff. So, oh, it's so much fun just to watch a really fast, like, fast guard. And also, he's a he's a pretty solid defender as well. I, I haven't seen any, like, too many defensive lapses from him on that side of the floor. So, so far, like, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing on both ends. Right. Okay, Savannah, we ran out of time. Appreciate you so much. I will see you probably at practice tomorrow, but if not practice tomorrow, then I'll see you at the home opener. <laughs> Uh, on Wednesday. All right. For sure. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay. All right. Savannah Hamilton, got you on the broadcast. But uh, you could tell Sav was a pure hooper and a big because all she was talking <laughs> about was the angle, the screens, getting your hands ready on how you're supposed to roll. Like, that's how you know she was uh, She was a star back in the day. At, uh, not even back in that many days, more recent days. Yeah. My only, TMU. the only critique I could possibly think of for Sav is she has cover story by Alex Wong on her bookshelf, mm. but I didn't see. She was definitely a, reading that. Yeah, I for didn't sure. see a copy sure, of prehistoric. conspicuously there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, we're going to take a quick break. I've been your host, Will Lou. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And when we come back, more with me, Blake, and Alex. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Bloom, joined by my co-hosts, Blake Murphy and Alex Wong. For segment three, we have given the ball to Blake to run the show. This is like Scotty with the bench right now. So... What, what do you got for us? All right. Uh, so we're going to do a new-ish segment. It's not all that different from ones I've done on Jay's Talk Plus before or other shows. It's just a way to take a look at. Now, normally this would be in-season trends, and, and we'd pick out some stats or some rotation things uh, that are changing. And basically, this is a way to, to talk about some of these things. So the segment is called Nice, Nice, or Noise. So I'm going to give you guys a stat or a trend, and you'll say, if it's nice, and that means obviously you believe in it and it's a positive, you want to see it continue. If it's noise, which means you don't think there's anything to it, it's just a blip or it's not relevant. Or if you want to nize that, which is, uh, yeah, it's real and the team needs to take care of it. We clear on how this works? Let's go. It's the real lies, real lies, real lies segment. Yeah. Let's go. Your, turn your mic on. What? Uh, I, I would say. My mic is on now. There you is go. It? Several questions. So that's here. a no noise is the answer to that one if your mic's off. <laughs> he's mic on like he's uh, running down the, the left wing. Nice. Um, <laughs> I'm not familiar with these terms. Nice. So nice. Nice. Is that, uh, is that like abbreviation for something? 
Will would know better than me. Yeah. I just know that like Toronto man slang is not. This is a that. Toronto like yeah. slang. Like I don't I don't use that like but like it was hard to fit something else in with no, nice like and noise. Wow. It was hard to get a good name for the segment yeah. without uh Alex is from Markham. All right. Yeah. Blake didn't Blake, happen like that. Yeah, it I mean, was a 90% Chinese school. We love to share the behind the scenes, and I don't want to spoil segments that might be coming up, but I love <laughs> these names so much. Like he had sent a spreadsheet of a couple Obviously. segments and some of them were based on like, you know, uh, like white bands and, and stuff like that. There was one that was backboard confessional. Yeah. That I really like. Um, wow. Will does not seem impressed. No, so no, I no. Guess, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to listen to more. Like I want to expand my Spotify playlist. And my favorite one, it's so simple, <laughs> but it cracks me up every time I say it is Papa Coach. Okay. <laughs> that one I do get. Yeah. We're only using that one as a last resort though. Papa Papa Gaffer over here. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. No. Uh, that that was literally my only question. Just wanted to just want to get familiar with the with the Toronto slang. All right. So let's start here. Mm. Alex Wong. Oh God. The first preseason stat or takeaway or trend that you have to decide if it's nice, if it's if you're nizing it, or if it's noise. Mm. Toronto Raptors the best team in the NBA. They went four and zero, and even if you exclude the Cans game, they had by far the best net rating. Uh, is that I, I assume we can eliminate nice in this one? Is that nice or noise? It's noise to me. Is there something in between nice and noise? I guess I have to pick. No. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm go with noise. You know, I, I think I think the trends. You know, the individual play that we've all talked about. You guys talked about with Savannah. All of that stuff is real. Um, you know, I think it's uh, nice um, to have a lot of optimism and excitement about this team going to the season about certain individual players what the starting lineup's going to look like but in terms of the preseason result i'm not taking too much from it at all all right i think that's that's fair that was a little bit of a warm-up one so let's get mm. more specific into how they went about uh going 4-0 with again the best net rating by far even if we exclude the game against an australian side uh so will within that probably the biggest thing that we are going to be evaluating this team's growth on over the course of the season is the half-court offense. Mm. Last year, they finished, basically, if we exclude the four teams that were aggressively tanking, they were the worst half-court offense among competitive teams in all of basketball. In the preseason here, and again, all of these team-level stats will exclude the Cans game because obviously that nudges things in a more favorable direction. So just in the three NBA games, they were 17th in half-court offense. Yeah, I'm going to say that's noise. And the reason I'm going to say that noise is because um, you didn't see Jakob play in that Bulls game. Um, and I don't think he was even, not even 100%, I would say a fully interested <laughs> in the Wizards game. Um, and I think that, yeah, that's that's going to be a big part of it. Um, I, I think that we have still not seen Dennis really get into full gear. I think Darko was talking about that at practice uh, over the weekend was, you know, he's like, well, Dennis will tell you he's 100%, but, you know, I know that there's more ramp up for him to sort of get up to, right? And so until we see that, really, um, and obviously Gary sort of being out for the Wizards game as well, like, there's just too many mitigating factors. I mean, I mean, so in a regular you think, season, you think you they could nudge higher than 17th in half-court offense? I just don't you're, know you're if more it's, optimistic? I don't know if it's higher or lower. I don't even know if it's accurate in terms of they'll land in at 17th, but I think for me, it's just like, you would never do this in a regular season where you would look at a three-game sample and say, this is what their half-court offense looks like for the whole year, right? Like, we would recognize that that's a week of basketball. So I think in this case, like, it's still TBD. The function in terms of how they want to play is different. They are definitely trying to move the ball and play it more through the post, a little bit more movement. But also we're seeing super deep rotations, all that kind of stuff. So for me, this is, like, way too noisy. 
Okay, well, let's get in on one of those specifics, Alex, and I'll, I'll kick it to you with, with something Will said there. So within the specifics of this, the Raptors had the second highest assist rate in the preseason, but that came at the cost of the fourth highest turnover rate. Are Is that noise? Are you okay with it? It's nice, or do they need to nize that they've gone too far onto the turnover side as they try to move the ball more here? Uh, no, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I'm okay with the trade-off. You know, I think I think they're clearly trying to, to, to play a very different style and and i think you know you guys have i think everybody recognizes like why the turnover numbers were the way that they were and it's like once you start playing this kind of more ball movement thing um you know uh no i'm willing to live with it so i'm cool with that one nice well by the, by the way jr told me i'm getting a lot of texts about nice uh jr told me that nice actually means shut up is that true well, again did you grow up in toronto i don't understand i'm just i'm just in a bubble i don't if if JR uh, I has take a, I don't take streetcars. If either. JR has yeah. a better branding for this, I just I was at a <laughs> loss for unbelievable. Uh, and Liban okay. is embarrassed. He says I'm embarrassed that I've never taught you how, uh, how to use Nizit. So yeah, well wow. we'll learn through this segment. Uh, if if we if you land on one that you Blake was the one who introduced <laughs> this word. Yeah. A man pa- from Cambridge, Papa Coach over here. Oh. Yeah. Oh brother. Uh, okay, yeah. Will. So you know as. On the offensive side, one of the things the Raptors are obviously trying to do, as Alex said, is move the ball a little bit more, and we hope that that floats the half-court offense a little higher. Now, one of the more interesting trends is going to be we think that defensively they're going to play a little bit more conservative. It's certainly looked that way so far. Uh, Their ability to force opponent turnovers, or at least those results, have been down in the preseason. They haven't forced nearly as many turnovers. However, they were still able to, in the preseason, lap the league in fast break points. Mm. Do you believe in the trend that the Raptors can scale back the aggression and still be, if you know, we'll say top three as they've been for four or five years now, transition offensive basketball? Yeah, no, that's 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 nice, like three Michael Jordans, because like <laughs> it's uh, it, this is the function of the roster. Like they have incredible wings, they have players who are able to create fast-break opportunities by making defensive sequences, right? So we're talking about blocks. We're talking about steals. We're talking about deflections. These things really do create a lot more opportunities on top of the fact that, you know, especially with Jakob more in the fold, but you're going to see the Raptors grab more defensive rebounds too. And all that's going to spark their fast-break ability. Now, of course, I think that, you know, over the course of the season, if the Raptors had one weakness in the fast-break, it feels like their only option is to go all the way to the basket. You don't see a lot of fast-break threes. Uh, you know, you compare, for example, to a team like Indiana, for example, they also play a lot of fast break basketball, but a lot of their fast breaks are just like hit it up, Buddy Heels leaked out for three, you know, and it's super quick and it's over like that. But even just watching the course of this game, you know, um, rewatching that Washington game, so many possessions, the Raptors got the ball past half court, 22 seconds, 21 seconds, latest 20 seconds. And that comes as a function of having sort of the roster you have right now. Having Dennis at point guard, I think also really helps with that because he's also a guy who can be, you know, all out on that front. But even things that they do, like Scotty quick inbounding the ball after after the Raptors give up a basket. like Kyle's legacy. Kyle's legacy. No, but seriously, though, like those are little things that they really add in. And then, yeah, when you have the roster where you have multiple ball handlers, that's going to enable you to, to to play a lot of fast break. But mostly it's the defensive playmaking that allows them to to, to fuel that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's nice. All right, Alex. So we'll mention that they don't have maybe the transition three in their bag quite as much. In the preseason, they shot 34.8% on threes. I'm including the Cans game here because you're, the rate at which your threes go in is the rate at which your threes go in for the most part. Uh, so they shot 34.8% on threes. 
That's up from last year when they shot 33.5%, but still pretty significantly below the league average, which was 36.1% last year. So they got, they closed half the ground to get to league average on threes. They were also 22nd in volume of threes. Uh, So that is, we're lower in the bar here. That is a slight improvement, um, but generally where they are in terms of three-point shooting compared to the rest of the league, is this noise? Are they better or worse than that? Or do they need to denies it and uh, and improve the three-point duty? I'm giving, <laughs> well, giving you, you an opportunity to use it, man. You know what? I appreciate you teeing it up because I think we're going to need to deny it, boys. Um, you know, I think for all the positives, everything about the you know, different style of play and all this stuff, that's my biggest concern with this team still, right? Like, it's, it's nice to see Grady Dick have like a four or five. You know, it's nice to talk about you know, OG Ananobi, you know, and, and, you know, Pascal Siakam maybe hitting a few more like above the break threes. But I look at this roster and I'm just like, I still worry about where the shooting's going to come from. And like, like the one game I always remember last year was the ESPN game when they started like, I don't know, like what, two of 30 against Milwaukee. <laughs> and they and, went hard in rockets against, <laughs> yeah, uh, against the Warriors. Exactly. But it's like, where, where is that improvement year to year in shooting going to come from? That's like my my big one of my big concerns about this team. If you want to be optimistic about it, is I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure if if anything's drastically changed where we're gonna see the Raptors, um, you know, be a above average three point shooting team. It'll help if uh, if Gary Trent Jr. and Grady Dick shoot fifty percent on threes, basically hey. the whole preseason. We'll get into yeah. some uh, some individual uh, trends here in a little bit, and maybe those will come up. Uh, will on the other side of the ball. Again, excluding the the Cans game, that that skews the data even further positive. The Raptors were the number one half court defense in the preseason. Now, number one is maybe high, but we certainly expect them to be better defensively this year. One specific strategic element that Darko Ryakovich has made mention of, and I wrote about this at Sportsnet.ca last week. Uh, the Raptors over the last four years have basically set their own record and then threatened their own league record for the volume of corner threes mm. they've allowed. In the preseason, they allowed the sixth fewest mm. corner threes. What do you think uh, of this potential trend? Is, is it noise? That's too high. Uh, like, like they're not going to be able to climb. It's, it's too large a change. Or are you you going nice? You think this is potentially something they could they could replicate? I I, I really want to say it's just noise. Um, I think part of it is again when you're looking at a three game sample and one of those games you're playing Chicago. Um, who are not a prolific three-point shooting team. Um, Washington, who is very much TBD, but does not seem like a prolific three-point shooting team, um, at least the, the the roster that came through. So that could heavily influence sort of that. But, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I mean, the defensive approach does seem to involve a lot less helping just in general. And I think when you're staying more at home, you're able to sort of at least limit which type of threes you're giving up. You saw when the Raptors did give help, it was mostly from the top rather than from you know, off the corners. And yeah, if, if that's similar to what Darko has said. I remember going back to his uh, introductory press conference when they had it outside and, you know, had all those chairs filled out with media and players and... Um, free ice cream. Free ice cream and a lot of MLSC employees. <laughs> Bad day to be on the Jays beat. Miss it out on free ice cream. Hey, man, we could have run it over to you at the Rogers Center. It was right across the street <laughs> up on Bremner. But no, like it, one of the things that Darko talked about was obviously he wants to take, you know, away the paint and he wants to take away the corner threes. And those are those two main priorities. And I think that's just kind of in line with that. But until we see more games, it's hard to really know. I mean, I think even at this point, how much of their defensive playbook, their offensive playbook is even installed yet? 
right? So again, it's, it's too much for you, you're going Jacques Vaughn style here. Like, ah, we haven't even put in sets yet. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, several uh, weeks in the preseason. <laughs> Luckily, you see the Raptors running through sets at least. So, or, you know, that's uh, that's encouraging, I suppose. That's that's a positive. All right, Alex, we're gonna go to some some individual player trends mm-hmm. now. Uh, I'll let you. I, I don't have them for everyone, but where do you want to start here? Oh, I should pick a player. Yeah, let's go with uh, Muhammadu Gay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, you really have one? No, I don't, but I could make one up on the fly. Okay, please don't. I, I got, we can do a right? whole we can, we can do a whole 905 uh segment on this. Let's go. Let's go with uh I got three words for you, Blake. OG Ananobi. Yeah. Uh Two do you want to do that part of it right now? Because <laughs> I I have thoughts on OG's consistent <laughs> trend to try to get us to change his name. Segment uh, 4. Segment yeah, four. segment 4. Okay. OG Ananobi had a 16.3% usage rate in the preseason. So usage rate um, is when you're on the floor, what percentage of offensive possessions do you finish with a shot, uh, free throws, or a turnover? So league average would be 20, obviously, because there are five guys on the floor. 16.3 would be the lowest since the run-it-back season for OG Ananobi. Last year, he was at 19.5%. We've obviously discussed over the years OG's expanding role – Alex, do you think this is noise? Do you think this is nice because it allows OG to be more efficient in a smaller role? Or do they need to nize it and get OG more possessions? Um, I'm going to nize it just because I want to say nize it. But also, also, I do feel like you talk about the usage. You know, part of it is keeping the player happy too. Like OG Ananobi clearly has. OG and, and, and Ananobi. He's clearly talked about wa- wanting a bigger role. And even within this offense, like I think. I would expect his usage rate to be um, to be around what it was last year. Like that's my expectation. Sixteen, the sixteen and a half. Like that's that seems that seems low to me, especially um, with how much his team needs his three point shooting. Yeah, right? his team needs his three point shooting, and it just. I mean, you're going into a contract year. Like I know you're not coaching to make players happy. You're you're coaching to win and stuff. But uh, you know, one could lead to the other. So uh, I think part of it, I mean, his his usage might be uh, you know, at like seventy if it was what it was like at the start of the Wizards game on Friday. <laughs> um but I think less less about the usage total numbers, just I'm interested to see how they actually use OG. You got to put them in positions because like a lot of those ISO possessions not that like, you know, are not that exciting to me. So it's kind of like how you're using him too, I guess is what I'm really looking at this year. Yeah, I think with OG, um, finding the right balance between being aggressive and being opportunistic is going to be really important for him because you saw moments in this preseason where pretty much everybody was taking good shots, but then OG would like randomly take a contested mid-range step back over two defenders. And it was like, what? It was just a bit of a record scratch. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, if you tell me Pascal, who's actually really good at those shots, is not taking them. If you're telling me Scotty, who has the ball a lot, is not taking them. Tell me Gary's not even taking them that much then why is OG sort of taking it, right? But at the same time, when you're thinking about Scotty's ascension, right, it does sort of take away a little bit off of other people's plates. And obviously Fred being gone is, that's a big absence in terms of sort of more opportunities being filled. But we have Dennis. Dennis fits at least 50% of that, right? So I think especially with Scotty, you're getting more and more touches. It does take a little bit away from OG. But I also think for OG, it's just about recognizing how he can get involved. You know, like when, when you watch back on the tape, lots of opportunities where OG's, come off a curl, but he's not taking the right angle or he's not taking the right shot when he's open. And he's, he's waiting a little extra bit, a bit of a beat. Those are opportunities where the better he's able to read the game and more awareness that he comes at it with, there's going to be more opportunities. Because it's not like outside of those mid-range shots, it's not like anything that he's done is like hijacking the offense or anything bad. 
but it's just about reading the game. And that's such a big part of being a, a successful offensive player. But um, yeah, if he wants to be more than sort of a guy who is set up versus a guy who can create, that's the difference. And that's the key that he needs to, to hammer out. And something I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on, I, I didn't intend to, to ask this one, but he had he had zero possessions in the preseason where he finished a play via the cut. Mm. Last year, he averaged a little under one a game. I think that's an area, especially as we talk about these defensive changes or offensive changes, rather, and we see how defenses respond, you know, to... Uh, a DHO over here or Scotty in the short roll. Well, if OG's stationed in the weak corner, you know, he's a pretty adept cutter when he picks up on that. So I was a little surprised when I dug into the numbers and saw yeah. zero for the preseason. Uh, Will, you mentioned Dennis Schroeder and yeah. him taking on some of that role that is left behind by Fred Van Vliet. So how about this one? Dennis Schroeder led the team in assists, on a per-minute basis, however you want to chop it up, assist percentage. Um, how do you feel about that one? And then where maybe there's room for a noise here, or maybe even it, it denies it because it, it's too much load. It was the highest assist rate we would have seen from the Raptors since 28-2019, Kalo. Yeah, I'm going to have to say that this is, again, noise. Um, he had 11 assists in the Washington game, which I feel like really bumps up the total. Sure he's does. Definitely, he's definitely been passing, uh, and he's been doing a good job of it. But, uh, yeah, I just don't think that it'll be the same sort of level of playmaking in the regular season, just in the sense that, like, um, again, we're talking about a three-game sample. And, but at the same time, like, I, I like that he's been a willing passer. I like that he's been able to come up and set the, the, the floor for everybody else. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think in terms of who's going to lead this team in assists, I would say it's either Pascal or Scotty. I kind of both expect him to be in that six range. And then I probably expect Dennis to probably be closer to maybe – five to six, but a little bit below that. But, I mean, hey, listen, one of the nice things about preseason is outside of that Washington game where they had 36 assists, by the way, which is phenomenal, um, there's been an even distribution in terms of, like, lots of guys are all getting on a score sheet with three assists versus one guy has, like, ten assists and most of the other guys have one or two. And, and that's kind of what I, I hope to get at with this one is, like, yeah, okay, the the percent, the, the degree to which Dennis is leading the team won't stay up, but, but how do you feel about the potential that, yeah, he does end up leading it? Or is that, you know, uh, an indicator that maybe the ball's not moving around as much as you hope? Obviously, someone having a yeah. strong individual performance is rarely a negative. But, Alex, how do you feel about that one, just in terms of how it signifies the offensive distribution? Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think I'm with Will there in terms of, I'm not sure if there's any player on this Raptors team that's going to be, like, you know, amongst, like, the league leaders and assists and that nature, but... If you're getting that ball movement, like even Jakob too, I feel like Jakob not going to get a lot of the assist numbers, but like, I guess like, I don't know, like hockey assists or whatever you screen want to call Screen assists, the Rudy Gobert, assist, triple double mm, screen assists. Yeah, screen assists, all, you know, hockey assists, all that stuff. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I think. Um, we got to stop inventing more assists, man. <laughs> yeah, it the assist is when you pass the ball to a this, guy who scores. That's it, man, like, this is not, this is not what James Naismith, you know, wanted, man, when he saw that peach basket, but like. Yeah, but he didn't want people to dribble. <laughs> so Yeah, he was getting people to tackle each other. You know what, like, traveling, we should introduce traveling to the game um but i think I, I think it's the same it's like if pascal scotty you know um dennis even looking at Jakob, um you know my thing is like that's why i think you guys talk about like you know scotty maybe playing with some some of the bench units and stuff like i think the bench unit needs a needs an organizer needs a playmaker right there's a lot of great athletes there but like who's gonna take up those minutes because i mean as nice as nice as uh as gary makes those passes um you know when he makes that one nice pass to OG and he makes sure, you know, he does a little follow through on that. 
Like, I, I do think that's the one thing I, 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 I'm going to look for in the second unit, especially. Okay, so uh, related to this idea of who is taking up the possessions and where usage is going, uh, Scotty Barnes, obviously tremendous preseason. In just 22.1 minutes per game, he averaged 18.5 points, mm. uh, six rebounds, and three assists. So uh, we did the over-under last week on whether he'd get 30 points plus rebounds plus assists. He was blowing, he was getting almost there in 22 minutes in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, I think that is going to continue. Um, Will, the, the question that comes from it, though, is he had by far the highest offensive usage on the team now maybe this is him getting his stuff in in the preseason maybe we're going to see more playmaking from him um this you know when we compare the scoring load to the assist load was a much more scoring oriented load than we had talked about last week in terms of scotty's st stats um how do you feel about scotty's per particular trend specifically him being the highest usage scorer on this team and maybe not leading them in assists uh i i would say this is just very nice i mean like this is what everyone wants like, uh, either now or in the future, this is what everybody wants. This is what the front office wants, what the coaching staff wants. It's what the team needs. The team needs a second player alongside Pascal to initiate most of the action. And so that aggressiveness is super welcome. Um, I think that if I had any issues with what, how he played last year, it was just so many games he would sort of float out, especially at the start of the year. He's been never floating out of any game. He's You're noticing Scotty in every single play. He's popping up here. He's blocking a three here. He's running the fast break here. He's getting the rebound. He's dunking the ball. He's shooting the three. He's relocating. He's playmaking. No, I mean, this is what everyone wants, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a big part of why I think there was so much disappointment with Scotty last year. Like, less about, like, I mean, you can look at his overall, like, body of work. I know the stats ended up coming up, like, pretty equal to, like, his year mm -hmm. one. But it's just, like, how are those stats, you know, being accumulated and, you know, the consistency of it, right? Like, there's so many games. You remember looking up at, like, the, the scoreboard at Scotiabank Arena, and it's like, wow, like, you know, Scotty's got zero points, like, five rebounds going into the fourth. And then every one of those games, he would seem to put up eight or yeah. ten and, in the fourth and, alone. Exactly, and it's like... Forget about the counting numbers and stuff. It's just like, um, I think Will mentioned this too on the React pod last week. Like, like you got to be sometimes the leader just like on the court with your energy and stuff, right? And like this team needs that. Like a lot of times they were lethargic last season. And if Scotty's going to play a bigger role, it's not just about having the ball in your hands. It's not about the counting stats. It's about like leading the team in that way, right? In the energy department. So that's all, that's all the stuff I'm looking from from him this year. Okay, a couple... Uh, Supporting cast ones for you guys here, and we'll run through these uh, a little quicker so we can do NBA stuff in the in the final. So we segment. can talk about what the Raptors wore for Halloween. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Um, okay, so obviously it's about the to be spooky season. The <laughs> the exact uh, minutes total, who cares? Because it's the preseason. But based on rotation patterns and who played the most, uh, Alex Malachi Flynn was sixth on the team in minutes per game and fifth in total minutes. Spooky. Um, spooky. Even if uh, even if yeah so i guess that that's a that's a nice it from you um what is a what is a reasonable spot for malachi flynn do you think this was more seeing what he could do in those minutes or this is the plan entering the season i wouldn't be that excited if you told me that malachi was like locked in as like a backup point guard coming off the bench you know i think scotty can play some of that um you know maybe pascal sometimes like you know we can find different solutions for that multiple ball handlers on the floor I think we know what Malachi Flynn is as a player, you know, at this point and, you know, the good and the bad. And I just don't think he has impressed, like, even last year when he was getting, like, extended stretches to play. Like, he just doesn't strike me as someone that I, I want to rely on as, as a, like, you know, the first point guard coming off the bench and organizing the second unit. How do you feel about that one, Well, I mean, look, we're giving him a shot to start the season and we'll see how it goes. Like, I don't mind it to start. 
Uh, there are only so many minutes to go around. And he's not going to play that many minutes in the regular sure. season. Though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he. Yeah, he's not going to be sixth on the team in, in yeah. minutes per game, certainly. It was more about but his he'll spot. Have a role. Like, he'll have a role. And I think it allows Scotty to play more as a file. I think if you make Scotty the point guard, mm-hmm. he's going to spend a lot of time distributing the offense. Then he has to get give up the ball, then come back and get the ball, and then score. Like, there's a lot of times in a 20, 24 second shot clock, you're not going to be able to get all that done. But if you have someone else run the point and you have him initiating more as a screener, he's more involved. You know, you could score off of one touch rather than sort of two touches. It, it makes some sense. Like, I mean, again, it all depends on what Malachi has. But I mean, if you're going to keep him around for this long, you got to at least sort of see. You know, I, I know That's we're not really selling it, but like, damn, you know, you don't want to tell him denies it. All right, man. all right. So Last there one. are only so many bench minutes to go yeah. around. Grady Dick might not average 16.6 minutes during the regular season because, like we said, Scotty was only playing 22. Uh, there are there is going to be a minutes crunch, but when he was on the floor, Grady Dick took three-point attempts on a per-minute basis at the second-highest rate on the Raptors. I think we all understand and agree that that's a good role for him. But there was a pretty significant gap between Gary Trent at the top and Grady Dick as the number two. Um, this isn't fitting. This doesn't really fit the format of the segment. But, Will, do you, would you like to see in those opportunities Grady Dick be even more aggressive, maybe looking for a shot? No, this is where I'm going to be like 23 on the leaf. Someone nies it, all right? Because... Um, yeah, I had that loaded the whole time. Wow. I disagreed with all the other statements. Matthew I'm sorry. Nies it. Yeah, zero, right. zero uh, laughter yeah, in the I, studio, I wonder by the way, Kipper guys. I Born are going to use this segment later. Womp, Probably womp. not. <laughs> uh, but, no, seriously, like, I think for, for me, like, the way Grady's making reads right now, like, I just want him to feel his way through the game. If he just came mm-hmm. into the game and just chucked, and that leads to lower percentages and things like that, it's going to make him look bad. It's going to make the team mm-hmm. look bad. Like, he's got to figure it out on his own. But I think the bigger thing is just, like, I need to see a higher three-point attempt volume from OG Anobi. Mm. I'm not going to blame OG for any three that he takes this season because we're going to need as many of those attempts up as possible. And there's a lot of opportunities where he's turning down the three or he's looking to swing it or he's not coming off the screen right. Figure it out because I want OG and, uh, and Gary to be one and two, neck and neck all season in terms of three-point attempts. And we didn't really get to see that so much. And it's not like he didn't have the ball. It's mostly just finding those opportunities. All right, uh, we'll cut it off here. I had a couple other ones, but we can save them for uh, another time or, or fit them into oh, another no, we, discussion. We, if you want to get one more, it's all good. Oh, we got time, man. What's all the right. best one you have left? Give it to Alex. All right, uh, so Gary led the team in steals per 36 in the preseason. We obviously know mm. two seasons ago, Gary Trent took a step forward, at least as a disruptor and a yes. ball hawk. Uh, I would argue that, you know, some of the discussion at the end of that season about should he get all defensive votes had gone way too far. Um, Steals and deflections aren't everything, but we saw him take a step back defensively last year, and it was a little disappointing after the growth he had seen. Um, What did you see from Gary Trent Jr. defensively in this preseason, and and do you care about steals and deflections as an indicator for just Gary's level of being locked in? Yeah, no, I do. I think, I think, I mean, I think Gary, honestly, like sometimes doesn't get enough credit of just like being shuffled around in different roles um, here in Toronto so far. Like even last year, I know it seems like and even in the preseason, every time he gets asked about like flipping between like starting lineup, going to the bench and stuff. You know, we know when Gary's on on the offensive end, what he can do. But but I do feel like he does feed off when he's able to bring that energy on the defensive end. And I think that's what I think playing in this new defensive system, I think having a new head coach, I think it's going to invigorate guys like Gary um, to, to kind of just be who he is. Like, he's not the perfect defensive player. Like, he'll make mistakes, but I like that aggression from him, and I think it'll translate well for him for his, like, overall game. Yeah, there's certain players where um, you can make a variety of defensive con- contributions, like Scotty and Pascal, OG, for example. Those guys can make pretty much any play. Steal a ball, block a shot, get a big rebound you know, force a guy into a shot clock violation, switch on to every position. Like, that's amazing. 
Gary's not one of those guys. It's not that he doesn't have that luxury. His way to contribute on defense is to get those steals and deflections. And so, I mean, even last year, he was like second in the league just behind Fred at 3.6 deflections per game. Like, it's the same mark as, like, a Drew Holiday or, like, a Shea Gilgis-Alexander across the league. So he has that ability to be disruptive. So, I mean, I just want to see more of that. I mean, I think, you know, overall with Gary, like, you know, giving him that opportunity to sort of be free, to be himself, even do these little silly things like holding the, the follow-through in the past. Like, I think it just also just, like, a guy who looks really engaged with the the play, and obviously his role is to to score and contribute, but... You know, there's other things that we saw. I mean, we saw a little bit of sprinkling of playmaking. We saw a little sprinkling of more defense. Like, that's great because we already know what he can do right now is very important for us with the three-point shooting. But there are other things that he can bring. And if, if he feels fully empowered to try to make those plays, um, you know, I'm I'm always encouraging of it. You know, plus, you know, shots of Gary, man. Shots of Gary Trent Sr. Also come on the show. <laughs> yeah, answer my text, man. Um, no, for, I, for I, Junior, it was a really encouraging preseason, I thought, in a, in a lot of these ways. No, I, I think and Gary's another guy contract year, right? Mm-hmm. Like another contract year guy. So I'm not saying these guys don't lock in when it's not contract year, but he'll be doing everything to get all those counting stats. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, last counting stat one, Alex. Uh, Will Lou averaged 5.2 patties per 48 uh, during the preseason. <laughs> uh, is that nice? Wow. Is that noise? Or does wow. he need to denies it? As if, uh, as if I did not bring you three well, <laughs> on Friday. You know, the fact, the context is, you know, Will is kind enough to to buy both of us patties um that is definitely nice um and, and we are you know due to some new rules about media dining pre-game uh we do have to find our own way mm. um so there's a very nice patty place um at union station and um yeah it's very nice i'm i'm, I'm expecting that i'm expecting will to take care of us yeah um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, i've already told you guys we season. want to shanghai 360 for the home opener <laughs> that is what they call our show um <laughs> once again i've told you this now available on Shanghai 360. Oh, brother. It's like wow. Shanghai Noon. Uh, <laughs> all right. Take us to break. Bro. We got to get out Wilson in this instance. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to take wow. that break. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty nice. All right. We're going to take that break. I've been your host, Will Louie. You're listening coach. to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Blue. I'm joined by Blake Murphy and Alex Wong. For the last 20 minutes or so of the show, we're going to give the ball to Alex, let him run point. Look at the distribution today. Yeah, man. This is the, this is the point .5 podcast. Right. <laughs> yeah, have a good show tomorrow, though, guys. Um, don't forget to bring in a copy of Prehistoric, though. Tomorrow is officially the book launch date. Don't so. you have, like, 80 of them at home? Well, I, I would like it displayed. Okay, fine. Can we do an official book signing on the show tomorrow? I want to bring mine in. It's still not signed. No, bring bring yours in. I can't wait to spend the last 15 minutes of tomorrow's show promoting the book. We're all trying to find out the guy (laughs) who produced this segment. (laughs) Anyways, what can we talk about? Yes, the Raptors had Pascal Siakam hosted, I believe, the team's Halloween party at Casa Loma last night. Shout out to Joseph Cacharo. That's also where he proposed to the queen. Uh, Nicole, congratulations. Hey, man. And Pascal dressed up as Nino Brown, Wesley Snipes' character from New Jack City. And there's a photo going around. So that's Darko Ryakovich. That's Darko. In the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, uh, I, I realize the podcast listeners can't hear, but everyone's undoubtedly seen these photos by now. If you haven't seen it already, Pascal. As I'm up on his account, the Raptors' uh, social account also put out a video of sort of like the costumes. 
and yeah, Coach Darko was there with the eyeliner, with the look like a drawn-in beard. I mean, uh, or a mustache at least. And yeah, he's fully committed to this uh, Jack Sparrow costume. Um, and I don't know. It just seems like a great time. Also, shouts to the Tier Zero team. They really made it look amazing. Like especially with all the content that they came did. Out. Shouts to Pascal's costume as well. Do from Tier Zero is in that video. That's the yes, guy that's yes. next to Pascal. Mm, that's right. And we actually ran into him at a restaurant. We were um, at simply we were at simple, simple things, things yeah, in Parkdale a few we weeks ago. Literally saw him earlier so, this week. So Wong Bomb alert here. We yeah. ran into him and we were actually he was actually asking us, "Hey, like, what do you what do you guys think? Um, costume ideas for Pascal?" Mm. And I told him, "I'm like, it's gonna be hard to top the 50 cent one." from mm -hmm. last year because I thought it was right. so good. Yeah. And like, listen, I thought this was really well done, obviously, with the social content. I'm still going with 50, though. But respect to Pascal for putting in this effort. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only way to top it would have been if he if he redid the In the Club video as 50, right? Oh, and you then... hung him upside down? <laughs> and, oh, and Darko yeah. is like Eminem, just like lifting weights. Oh, actually, damn it. We He's like, we I got three words for you. Forgot about Dre. <laughs> oh, I got, th oh, I got three words for you. Go with him, uh, Haley. Yeah, um, Blake. Blake. We <laughs> also have this other forward. Blake. We also have this <laughs> other uh, photo of. Uh. So Grady Dick was Scooby Doo, mm -hmm. and I have no idea what Scotty Barnes was. So I'm gonna need you to so to nize it or not nize it and and tell me what's up. It's right. it's a good one. It, it's Frozone from uh, The Incredibles, which okay. was like a Disney. I think Disney Pixar. Yep. Um, like, I don't know, 20 so you know years, the family. 15, 20 yes, years ago I, now. Yeah. I've actually never watched, yeah, I never like watched I said, the movie yeah. though. So yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a, uh, it's a good look. It, it's very, I mean, the costume's not that, not that complicated, but the, the like Cyclops X-Men thing across like the that. fight, uh, across the front makes it, uh, makes it work. I, I thought it was good. Frozone. Frozone. Yeah. Okay, what's his superpower? He like can create ice or something. He can create Froyo? I, I, he's like the, I, he's I, like Mr. Incredible's <laughs> best friend, I think. Okay. Like the okay. next door neighbor kind of situation. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's been okay. a while. Uh, so. he can, yes. He has the ability to create ice and freeze surfaces by manipulating moisture. Okay. He's a, he's I, a refrigerator. Yeah. He's Mr. Freeze. Think, think, think Arnold as Mr. Okay, freeze, okay. but like uh, cool and yeah. Disney Pixar. Blake, you were also telling me there were some guys there that weren't pu pulling their weight in terms of putting in the 100% effort. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't want these guys out. I don't want to judge until we decide if we're doing anything for Halloween because I and might we, be the we, mail it in guy. Yeah. We can. Um, Jakob Pertle was in just a pink shirt and like one of those headband horns. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was a unicorn. Very on brand oh. for Jakob, though. I have never seen an NBA player put less effort into the their outfits. Yeah. No offense to Jakob. But, um, yeah. And Gary Trent Jr. I think was just dressed as himself. Like like Otto okay, Porter, so apparently Otto on the Porter's Raptors was account? muted. He right. he just wore like a like a cowboy shirt with the with the fringe yeah, on yeah. the on the breastplates and, and a cowboy hat. It was like yeah. very simple, but at least it was in but Gary Chen Jr. was wearing a Jackie Robinson jersey backwards and then otherwise just like looked like his normal self. So I, I didn't really recognize it either. Um mostly because I just don't know my nineties hip hop, but apparently um the Raptors social account credited him as one half of crisscross. Oh, okay. This is 80s hip-hop. It's 80s hip-hop? Yeah, wow, yeah. damn. Even I might be too young for that. Yeah. Uh, Finally. Was it, when was Gary born, man? Gary's probably born like 2000. Okay, like, but I like that. I yeah, like that. but they have... The, guys, guys, I, I'm going to have to dig deeper to find the Dodgers. Because there's like the iconic them in the Knicks and Yankees jerseys. Yeah, yeah that's but, right. Gary's born in 1999, man. How do you know about this? I mean, New he, Jack City is not a new movie either. No, but that's a classic, though. Yeah. They got to nice it. Um, what is this note I have as Jim Sand? Jim Sand dresses yeah, yeah. Forrest Gump? So, here's, so I, I went through some of the photos to look at the background and all that kind of stuff. So we, are, we got a lot of it already. Um, Chris Boucher came as a boxer. 
Okay. So he had like the boxing robe with his a- custom made robe, which was nice. Yes, it had the raptor like oh. insignia in the front too. Like so, he's like, "Where's Will Lou?" <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, we had two, not one, but two Squid Game characters. We had oh. Ron Harper Jr. As one of those like Squid Game, you know the red grunts, you know with the little mask yeah, that's whatever. a that's an, a kind of a that's an amazing costume. So he had the all red yeah. all red jumpsuit with the yeah. hood on, and then he yeah. had the the triangle mask, and then yeah, actually though, and then Dennis Schroeder came in as the Squid Game, but like the boss, the front man. Oh, okay, I like which, that. Which uh, you know, so uh, that was a, a different mask, but essentially like an all black kind of yeah. like, jumpsuit, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Christian Coloco just had like a, a skull mask on. Which Low was effort my, again. Low effort. Lo, I mean, like, you know, I had to say, I definitely had a lot of these Halloweens in my lifetime okay. where I just threw on a cape and I'm like, all right, I'm time to beg for free candy on the street from strangers. Um, Precious was, I don't know what his costume was, but he had a Yankee hat on with the Kanye shades, you know, from like oh, the okay. graduation era kind of shades. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure what that was. Mm. Uh, Otto came as the generic cowboys you mentioned. And then, yeah, Jim Sand dressed up as Forrest Gump. <laughs> okay, I need to see a so, photo of this offline. It's in um, the background. If you sc- if you pinch in, like, scroll in yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. on, on Pascal's That's, post, you actually see Jim Sand. Uh, I, respect, I respect the Sandman for, for the coming Sandman. through. You enter, tell me, enter Sandman. You tell me, Otto said, I'm just going to, this is a work function. Like, I'm just, no, I'm just a I cowboy. Mean, yeah. I, I don't know what your approaches are to Halloween, but, like. It's been a while since I've, I don't know about you guys, like, you guys still dress up? I mean, I live in a neighborhood where, like, kids will actually come up to the house and, like, ask for candy and stuff. So oh, I, I do put okay. on, like, a costume and hand out some candy that day. If the Raptors are not playing the Hawks, which is what happened last year. Yeah, the Raptors have played a lot of Halloween games yes. over the years. So I was on the way up and then, like, in my early mid-20s when you're doing parties for it and stuff, I would go hardcore. Like, I have I have bicked my head before as part of a... Oh, word? As part of a... Ha- when I was Jack, Yeah, when I was Jack Skellington and had, like, the makeup on the, wow. the whole head. and I, Like, I've gone hardcore before. Okay. But then, like, I'm in my 30s now. Like, yeah, I'm not going out on Halloween night and partying and stuff like that. But now I have a nephew who is like really, really into Halloween. So okay, nice. I'm going to have to come around like this year mm. falls on a Tuesday. So I'm obviously not going to get back home uh, for that, but he's like Halloween obsessed. So I, I think in the near future, I'm going to have to f- find my way back to Halloween costumes. Yeah. For my parents, I feel like maybe it's just like the immigrant upgrade or whatever. They were just like, we already bought you one costume last year. You got to go, oh, you got to run it back. You got to reuse. You got to reuse. So there's a lot wow. of like, yeah, multiple so years of going as a Gigi Gin reuse. <laughs> I mean, honestly, wow. like, I got the head shape for it exactly. <laughs> Yo, relax, all right, Derek. I did not actually go as a Dragon Ball Z character, oh, despite God. all the opportunities to go as one. So, yeah. yeah. So, are we? There doing... were a couple Dragon Balls. They weren't players on the team, but I saw some pictures. There were a couple people doing Dragon Ball Z yes. at the event last yes, night. On the Raptors? I was not familiar with their game. No, not, they were not just like players, employees. But yeah. all employees. Okay. Um, Okay, identify yourselves. Um, well, one of them did the Krillin thing, like you know, really like the bald head and put the dots on the head. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. John Wiggins? No. No. Oh, okay. Not that. Just checking. Um, all right. What are we doing for Halloween? Because officially Halloween is next Tuesday. Tuesday. So I, I mean, my one suggestion is we can dress up as each other. So like <laughs> a like a you know homage of of each. Like I can dress up as Will. What's that gonna look you like? You can dress up you as gonna go to me. All, all three of us are dressed like and, the same and today. Will I don't can, know that it would Will be. And Will can dress up as Blake. Yeah, I don't dress know how Blake. different. Maybe it would I got be. like a tattoo sleeve, like band shirt, tattoo sleeve, band shirt. Okay, you know what? Me, some ridiculous looking toque. Um, and like seven product placements. At seven my desk. product. <laughs> Thirty New Balance. <laughs> okay, so are we Maybe saying we can also okay, pretend let, to be each other? Like we play each other's roles too. Oh, you mean I can host? Nice, nice noise. 
No, uh, well, I, I, I would be Blake in that case, so I would have to. Damn, I want to. Yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe. Oh, you could be Blake. You could be Blake all you want. Yeah, go ahead. You know what? Let's see. Let's see. I could be you. I'll you just sit in the corner and be like, all right, that's guys, a good call. This is the next topic. Maybe for one segment. Maybe okay. for one segment. Um, so I don't get you know show notes from the bosses. Um, for segment four that day. I was gonna can, say because segment one, like it yeah, is the <laughs> day after a game. Yeah. So yeah, se- yeah, yeah. Okay. segment four on Halloween. I'll figure it out with you guys. We will roll. We will, I guess, role play okay. each other. But are we doing standard play. costumes as well or just the, the, we all, the what, role swap? You want to just roll in in jerseys? Why don't we make that you, a jersey? Are you trying to dress as, as Nick Kiprios for <laughs> Halloween? No, you can come in as a Justin Bourne. <laughs> that Bourne jersey is coming soon. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the costume. Okay. But I do like born identity. I do like the segment four idea. All okay. right, sticking with the Raptors. Yep. So I noticed um, as I was watching the game closely on Friday um, that. By the way, you really wanted to put a hundred bucks on the Wizards. Okay, here's a story. Here's a story. And now it's time for bet. Um, so here's a story. Yeah, okay, right. we're, we're we're courtside before the game. Yeah. And Will is like. Um, uh, you know, look over here. A certain Raptors player um, seems a little lethargic. Well, they came out to the warm-up with a huge yawn. And yeah, I'm like, huge right. yawn. Missed a few yeah. layups. Meanwhile, I'm looking over there. I'm like, oh, wow. Jordan Poole. Like, <laughs> oh, Danil Gallinari. Like, these are bucket getters. <laughs> I mean, come on. So, I was like, I Gallinari. No, I told you no, by the Seven-foot Tim Bontem. <laughs> so, so going to give the Raptors buckets. <laughs> so, I was like, man, Will, Will, find your Bet Rivers account. Because uh-huh. I... Bet all my money away last uh, year in the AFC Championship game because I took the well, Bengals. Um, well. and, and that was a, I don't know, that was a questionable roughing the passer call at the end there um, th- on, on the Chiefs, but uh, to, to get the Chiefs to win. But yeah, I wanted to bet on the Wizards and obviously that didn't happen. But anyways, Grady Dick hit a bunch of threes on Friday and I noticed now there's this bit of a team-wide ice in your veins celebration that's, you know, been taking place in the preseason. Mm. And uh, Blake Murphy, I believe you have some thoughts on this. I ha- actually have some uh, borrowed reporting on this. So oh. it is it is adjacent to ice in the veins, but yes. it is not actually uh, a straight ice in the veins thing. So uh, this goes back. This is uh, Dan Wojcicki of the LA Times wrote a story about this late last year. Mm. And the story starts with Dennis Schroeder Jr., his son, who I believe would be five now, doing the pose in the Lakers uh, locker room after, after a win because they're all having fun with it. And in reporting this out, Dan Wojcicki finds out that it's actually, it didn't start as an ice in the veins thing. It started, they would play cards on the back of team flights. And uh, Damon Jones, when he would like, like someone would think they won the hand or something like that, I guess like do the like freeze, like like from the old Miami Vice uh, and like throw his cards down. And then they started, all started doing it as a joke. And then Dennis Schroeder told Dan Wojcicki that like at one point he was like, yeah, Crockett and Tubbs, like if I hit a big three and we win this game, I'm going to throw down the freeze Miami Vice. Right. And then everyone started doing it. He uh, did it I, in the Minnesota game when the Lakers beat the Timberwolves in the play-in. Yeah. He had a huge three. LeBron drew the double team as always. Yes. Kicked it to Dennis. And he hit the three and he hit the celebration. Yes, so, that was like Miami Vice. There it is. Wow. Uh, so apparently Whoa. that is the order. Obviously there, very oh. related to ice in the veins. Right. But it was more of a nobody move. Like you thought, like you, thought you had this one freeze. I like that. This is like... Um, I mean, we'll see how it looks if they go six of thirty-seven from three. One of these games. No, I mean, uh, listen. When we <laughs> it's have, like it's like the Jays getting rid of the home run jacket. It's a big deal made out of it, and then nobody hits home runs. <laughs> when we when we play in that media game, which is coming up next month, and I hit a three, and I will hit a three in that game. Yeah, I'm gonna yell out rice in my veins. You remember? Oh my God! You you remember one time um, we were at the uh, one of these practice facilities here in Toronto, had a run, shot, and I and I hit an NBA um, level three. I, I believe 
you were on the other team, and I specifically told because I was yeah. not guarding you, but I told the other person, "Yo, leave him. He's not a shooter." And I hit the mel- I hit the three, and I hit that mellow three yeah. to the dome on you. That's my favorite one. But then you missed the what, next what, like six threes. So yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, right. What What about you, Blake? If you hit a three in say this upcoming sports, I'm uh, coaching against game. you guys. I'm not. I'm not playing. Okay, I'm, but in general though, what's What's your three point celebration looking like? Oh, he's got to hit a three. Are first. you trying yeah. to act like you've been there before, type? I'm. Of? I'm more that mostly because like I know the other shoe's gonna drop and I'm gonna airball the next one. Like okay. Well, you played in that Stauskas <laughs> charity game with me a couple no, years I didn't, ago, right? Actually. No, you did. No, 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 I, no, I no, had I a did. couple threes in that one. You You did actually have a couple yeah. threes in that one. I might have footage of that. Maybe I'm I'll not, put it on the. You know, I'm not producer. much of a scorer, but I can knock down like a wide open catch and shoot. Yeah. I'm just more on the defense. What did you call me? I think that was the day you called me PJ Trucker Hat. <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh, wow. I didn't even know I had that, but that's pretty good. Okay, that's, pretty that's, good. Uh, that's actually yeah. a really good one, man. Yeah. Damn, guys. You're not, you're not a Milwaukee buck. You got John Deere. <laughs> oh, wow. I like that. All right, I've got five minutes left, man. What you guys want? Well, um, I'm looking at this rundown, Alex. You have plenty of topics in here. Why don't you run one <laughs> going on with you man. sorry i was trying to tap you want to run the farewell tim Fuck. chung segment you want to talk about og shutting down jordan pool yeah og shut down jordan pool yeah, um, okay on, on so, so no goodbye to tim chung and right. no tim chung we'll save you for the banter pod wait on that tim yeah. um yeah and then this is one of my favorite derek you have this clip let me know if you do just play it um um og anunobi i, I have three words for you og anunobi I don't know why. I love hearing that clip. That was from a question. Obviously, they're asked. Um, Darko was asked after Friday's game about you know Jordan Poole going one of fifteen. We're gonna have high usage for that drop, by the way. Derek. I love that yeah. one. Anytime we talk OG, I want to hear it. It's and you know, Scotty Burns. And, like, and it's gonna be a new one. And you know, um, uh, Darko over the weekend went to uh, you know famous Thai restaurant Pie here in Toronto that mm. not many Raptors players visit. So I got three words for Darko too, man. Pat, see you. <laughs> wow. I got three words, but like, uh, yeah, I got three words for you, Blake, OG and Anobi. Yeah, well, here's the, the here's the update. So if you remember last year, OG like asked for everyone to start spelling his name O.G. instead yeah. of just OG. Uh, and it drove me mad because OG is just shorthand for Agugua. Like there is, he it's does the first two letters of his actual first yeah, name. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a middle name that starts with G. He yeah, is he a junior, so I even OG looked in like any of the languages Nigerian people speak, if there was any sort of translation to junior where a, a word would have a G, there's nothing. The G stood for nothing. And then his <laughs> the explanation, his explanation was, well, that's how they did it when I was at Indiana. And I went back and I looked at the Indiana media guides and no, they didn't. It was just OG with no dots. So uh, uh, apparently we are back to OG, no dots for this year mm. in the Raptors uh, official media stuff. So now it's definitely only two words. It's definitely just two words, but uh, you know, shots with Darko, man. I, I, love, I, I love that. I love that. He gave that credit to OG because yeah, he, he did a great job guarding Jordan Poole. And I there think was that, one possession where Jordan Poole got off the ball because yep. OG was locking him up and Jordan Poole just stood out of bounds for like three seconds. He's like, I'm, <laughs> like, break, I'm done I'm with done, this. Man. This is a preseason game. Don't you know, I dropped 41 in one of these, yeah. uh, just like stayed out of bounds to avoid OG. OG said dots or no dots. You're not scoring period. No, the the O dot the O dot G. I don't know what I'm doing this whole. You're on fire today, man. (laughs) Just saying random things. You got the the 23. I'm gonna knife it like 23. No, no, no. That was that was crickets in here when he said that. Uh, The the O dot G dot did seem like a media day troll, like not Jimmy Butler, you know, media day photo level troll, but but like. Even for me last year, writing these episode descriptions or whatever, like, you know, we do interviews with them. I have to make sure I get it right. Mm. Got to be O.G. Now you got to show that respect. 
So. Yeah. Well, I mean, this year his troll was coming on the Raptor show and, and busting on his British accent. No, that was amazing. Um, so, but anyways, uh, we have a great show tomorrow scheduled to have Darko Ryakovic join us in the first hour, hmm. followed by Bobby Marks, Michael Pena, and then we got to figure out who's a producer on this show that wants to talk about prehistoric in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, we're all looking for the Damn, man. I guess I got to read this. that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's doable. Nice it. Nice it, Blake. In one night, it's doable. While you're watching nice two baseball games, book. you'll be able to, to, to finish that book. <laughs> but anyway, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and so subscribe, and please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to Savannah Hamilton, Blake Murphy, producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer, Derek Brandeau, and Frank Baraska, David Sis, and Jeremy Anatai for helping behind the scenes. We'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. See you soon, Darko. Darko.